Welcome into the Maroon Mike Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. And I'm your other co-host, Colton Watson. A little bit of a delayed reaction there, Colton. You uh, you came through funny on my well, end. So, like, you, like, shorted out. Okay. Well, it, is, is it better now, at least? No, that's all good. That was the only flaw that we've had since we started the meeting about two minutes ago, so. I, it, well, I say that, and I see you. Your pick, my, my image of you coming through a little bit blurry, which it probably means it's on my end. Uh, so that'll be fun. We'll see if this recording goes well. Um, but this is our only pod of the week because obviously it's Thanksgiving. We had a short week. We weren't going to do separate shows to recap, you know, all that happened in the weekend plus preview the Egg Bowl. I mean, look, there's a lot to go talk about. We had a ridiculously long episode the last time we got together. This episode shouldn't be that long, but we are still going to hit a lot of the same topics. Um, A lot happened to Mississippi State sports over the weekend, and I watched oh. almost none of it uh, because I was away for a wedding and then was on vacation hanging out for a little bit. So the extent of my Mississippi State viewing for the weekend was like the last five minutes of Mississippi State men's basketball against Northwestern. Uh, the majority of that game I missed. I missed them against uh, Washington State. I missed football against Southern Miss. I missed women's basketball taking down Belmont. Luckily, we do have a man who was able to witness all of that. So, Colton, we'll start with uh, football. All, all of that is a stretch. Right. We'll start with football. They, it, it was not pretty from what I understand. I saw a number of state fans saying that was one of the worst games they've watched, at least in the first half. Uh, they were – I think that was a lot of people preparing, like already having a bad feeling about it before it happened, and then just confirmation bias. It was it was not spectacular. I will tell you that. But with people returning from injury and knowing what we've gone through this season, uh, you end up you end the half up twenty three to seven or sixteen to seven. I think it was. It was it was bad football, but it wasn't like oh my gosh. This is Maine. Like I saw somebody said, this is the worst thing since Troy 2001. It was not at that level. Okay, not at that level. I I did see that. Obviously, I was keeping up with what was happening, um, just through social media, and I did see the same tweet you're referencing, which was very confusing to me. Even though I did not witness that Troy game, um, that was confusing to me. Of uh, states leading this game by multiple scores, and we're talking about it being as bad as th- that. That that was a bit. I did feel like Twitter was being overreactionary. I, I get the state got off to a terrible start, and the offense really couldn't do anything. Um, yeah, I mean, but you, you're, Will Will was rusty. Receivers looked rusty. Uh, receivers had a really poor game, um, in, uh, especially in the first half. All of them. I can't I can't say much great about all of them. I mean, you had a long third down that Zayvon Thomas could have caught. Uh, Justin Robinson and Freddie Roberson both had key drops. Um, Tulu, I think Tulu was a bright spot, maybe, but it was poor. Um, Marks doesn't look 100% healthy. Offensive line start off sluggish. I mean, it's 11 a.m. kickoff after you, you know, fired your coach. You got people coming back from injury that haven't played in weeks. It it all worked out. Um, if you had told me you won that, if you had said, hey, we're going to win this game by 21 points before the game started, I'd have been like, cool. I'll, yeah, that's about what I – that's that's fine. That's a cover. It so, is. I'll just it was a six-point game like, there, like, late. Not late, late, it but got, you know what I mean. 
it it was I mean it was eight minutes left or less. It was a set, it got to be a six point game. It was very scary. Um, but you answered right back with the with the biggest drive of the game, and and I'm rather I'd rather give that up off a kick return than a you know a good drive. Basically, what happened in this game? Southern Miss had a really good script to open up the game. Everything went according to plan for them to open up the game, and uh, Mississippi State came out sluggish. Um, couldn't finish drives, but other than that, defense played well. Offense got somewhere eventually, uh, especially for Woody Marks not being a hundred percent. And for um, people forget uh, people. I hope that Tulu Griffin and Seth Davis and uh, oh, somebody else. Maybe that's the only two that that I would think of. They got hurt kind of late in the game, so you're when you scored the big touchdown with Jeffrey Pittman on the 59-yard run, you didn't have them on the field. So it was it wasn't spectacular, but you got a uh, you got a 21-point win. Um, you didn't pull out any trick plays or anything to beat Southern Miss, which Southern Miss had to use some trickeration to even keep it close. Uh, I don't know if you saw, they did this uh, – I don't know what you call it. It's a, it's a penalty I've never heard of. Apparently, if you do like the hidden man play, like if you rush the 11th person onto the field at the last minute, that's a penalty unless they come outside the numbers or in, within, inside the numbers. They have to come past the numbers if you do that. I didn't know that. Which is interesting because numbers are not a standard measurement in football. You could technically put those numbers anywhere, and they don't have to be the same height. You know what I mean? In college, it's like they're in a standard spot, I believe. The the spots are standard, but there's some teams that have big numbers and little numbers. I've seen that for sure. But anyway, um, so they ran the hidden man play. It was a big chunk play for a bunch of yards. And then immediately everybody throws a bunch of flags. I'm like, what is this? Like we just got cooked. And then they're like, Oh, you can't do that. And Will Hall got all mad. It was, it was really funny. Um, So like Southern Miss had some of that. They had a couple other, you know, some crazy wildcat stuff and you limit Frank Gore. Frank Gore, I think had like 20 something carries for 60 something yards. So you'll take that every day. Um, you didn't their, – their dynamic freshman quarterback was was pretty limited for, for you. Again, they had one good drive in the first half, one good drive in the second half where they really had to, I mean, grit their teeth and grind out a long drive, which give credit to Southern Miss for great execution on that drive. And then the kick return. But you can't put uh, – I mean, give it up 14 points or 13 points because you, you don't give up the two-point conversion. Uh 13 points from the defense you'll take uh, against Southern Miss on 11 kickoff. You'll take it. Offense, uh, I guess you got to take away seven points for them. Well, you scored – you did get a two-point conversion in there somewhere. So, you got like 36 points, I think, maybe, 35, I don't know, uh, including a bunch of field goals. Really, the highlights, though, were Kyle Ferry and Jet Johnson and Buki Watson might be – I would I I feel very confident saying they're the best linebacking duo we've ever had ever. I mean I mean in my memory for sure. And then I'd have to you'd have to do a lot of research to go back to the nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, whatever. And I mean like 
I start trying to think best defensive duo was Montes. Does Montes Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons a duo? Like, do, do those? Yeah, that's absolutely okay. Are, that's are, that's a duo. Okay, yeah, those so, two dudes but, on the same defensive line who and they played off yeah. each other. So, uh, less time, only two seasons uh, together. Um, where did they stack up compared to these two? These guys, I don't know if y'all realize, you've seen all the awards. Uh, Watson is a finalist for the Butkus, which is only only five linebackers are finalists. He is uh, probably has the best numbers on there. A quick preliminary search, the guy from NC State has like five more tackles, but way less sacks and one less turnover. Um, so that, that's good. The uh, They are far and away. They're number one and number two in the SEC in tackles again. And number three is not close. They're like they're sitting at one seventeen and one sixteen, and number three is like one hundred one or one hundred two. It's insane. Uh, I don't know who number three is. Probably that guy from Missouri. It doesn't matter. Um, that to lead to be one and two, two uh, multiple years is incredible. I'm I'm just honored to be able to watch those two play football. It's been amazing. Yeah, no, they're obviously all they are all time greats at this point. The other duo that came to mind would be Smoot and Bean at corner. Um, yeah, there you go. And we got one at every position level. That's which I mean, you also had Emerson and Forbes literally just a couple of years ago. Um, let's see. Did they? They had two good years together, I guess. I don't know that. And then, then I want to see like where are Jet and Buki individually and all time linebackers? You know, because I mean, we there's spread me some linebackers that had better pro prospects. That higher recruited, uh, there's not more. There's not two linebackers that are more productive. Well, first and second in the SEC two years in a row. There, there. I do not think you will find another player that is more productive on the defense and in, in defensive history for the for Mississippi State. I mean, you had Errol Thompson was a four year starter. Richie Brown's kind of that deal who played a lot of years and started a lot of years. Leo Lewis started four years. I mean, was a regular linebacker. I guess not really all that you know most of your really really good linebackers came out as juniors you know Bernardrick McKinney uh did KJ Wright play four years I don't remember I don't know I have to look that's that's not before my time as a fan but before my time as a one who keeps up with everything yeah I mean look yeah no go ahead I just don't I don't, I, like as a duo, first or second, probably first as individuals. I mean, if they might be one A and one B, they might be. I would definitely put them in the top five. Well, they've absolutely had incredible careers. Um, it, it is one of the better tandems that, more best tandems MSU has ever had. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. And that I mean that's kind of been the one saving grace of the defense. And look, they both had huge games, huge impact plays, um, to help get the win over Southern Miss. And look, you know, it's, it's a fifth win for State, and it gives them an opportunity in the Egg Bowl. I am annoyed, so I do have to do a film recap for this game, having not watched it. And obviously, like, I can't take clips from Hulu unless I were to like physically record another screen because you can't screen record something like that; it won't let you. Uh, but because it was on ESPN, what do you Plus, screen record on? Because I can't, I can't screen record ESPN. What do you use? My phone. It'll no, do it. 
I just go through uh YouTube, essentially. Or I find uh, the games on. I, I find highlights on YouTube. What so th- this is what I'm working with for people who have read those articles throughout the year. I'm essentially having to work off of like whatever highlights somebody else posts because the re- my recording of the game is not one that I can go and take clips from unless there's some. If I want to show something badly, well then okay fine I'll I'll go and uh like there was the one the against LSU on like the first play the second play of the game where we had two linemen running in different directions. That was one I physically recorded, uh, like, my laptop screen um, with my phone. But it, 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 what I've done recently is I've been trying to find as many Twitter clips instead of me having to go and post them myself, like, just to go see if there's a video of this play. Well, anyway, obviously I can't look at Hulu or anything because there's not a recording if it's, like, an ESPN Plus game. I don't think there is. Um and even when I do that, I'm typically using it just to gain more information to see if they showed a replay that gives me a better angle to have a better idea of what actually happened. Uh, Go ahead. Um, there's full game replays on the ESPN app because since it's, it's not ESPN Plus, it's SEC Network Plus. It was free. You are. I just remembered that you are. You are accurate. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I know that for for a fact because my brother needs to make videos. Now he can't screen record on ESPN app that does not work but it might be easier for you to if you're going to do the phone thing I mean it might that might be better well so what I was getting at is you talked about Jeff Pittman's touchdown run but what I'm the whole point I was getting to here was that there's no highlights available like Mississippi State their highlight of Pittman's touchdown run is like a field level view yeah the field level ESPN's own highlights of the game they show that run after Pittman's already broken through the line like they don't show the handoff, so like I I don't know what play they ran. Like I, I can't tell you what it is now. If I go and do the like through the phone, uh, like what well, what you just described, going to the ESPN app and finding it, then I might be able to do it. But <laughs> I, I I don't have a lot of time. But like I was, my point is that would be a good play. Is like that's a game changing play that kind of helps seal the game for state. But you'd want to include that in the film recap and like. I'm not going to. I'm going to have Tulu's touchdown. I'm going to have uh, Woody's touchdown. And I'm going to have a strip sack from Buki and a the 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 crazy interception return with Jet. The, those are going to be our, I've got – I'll admit I've mailed it in. It, I, I've, it is hard to do this stuff every single week with my schedule, but and also just limited clips. And it also – it sucks when the team is not good, so no one wants to see – no one cares. Like I'm gonna do it's positive plays this week, thank God. Uh, if you also notice, like I haven't done a, a preview in the last couple of weeks because I just haven't had time for it. So like, there's not gonna be a preview I put up for Ole Miss. Like, I mean that that would it would have been fun. Preseason, the plan was I was gonna look back on how we stopped them last year to try to move it forward to this year. I ain't got time for it. So, yeah. Anyway, if you're if you're interested in seeing a breakdown of four very basic plays. Like, I'm not tweeting anything out. I'm using MSU's own clips on that. I'll have that. Um, I guess I'm going to try to do that tonight. Um, but, yeah, Mississippi State takes down Southern Miss. I said this episode wasn't going to be that long, and we spent so much time on that game. Um, It'll be all right. We're going to go to basketball to- now for a sec. Uh, we'll start over the men's side. Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off champions. Move to 5-0 in the season. 
ranked in the top 25. Now, obviously, it applies to the women's team as well. One of only a handful of schools with both teams ranked in the top 25. Three and zero against Power Can Conference. You nine, schools, nine is a lot. There's nine schools with both teams ranked. A lot of good company to be in. Um, let's see, three and zero against Power Conference competition, which at the time I think we were the only team you could say that about in the country. That should change because you've got the Fort Myers, uh, not <laughs> Fort Myers, the Maui Invitational. How does one mix up? The Fort Myers Challenge in the Maui Invitational, I don't know. But, like, the Maui field is absolutely insane this year. So, like, you're going to have a team that's 3-0 and against – I would imagine you would have a team that goes 3-0 and against Power Conference competition. I guess I guess it would depend on what Kansas does because Kansas played Chaminade to start. Uh, what is Chaminade? So, like, I'll, I don't keep up – so, I was like, how is this team in the Maui Gym Invitational? So, I was curious. I think – I'm not looking this up. And again, this is me showing my novice, how much of a novice I am in terms of keeping up with like these different tournaments. I think there's, it's probably a team from Hawaii or that area. And they have one team like that every year in the field. I think I looked back when I saw that, I looked back on a few Maui tournament brackets and there was like, I think there was like always one team who's just there. Um, I guess that's part of the event. Um, but so anyway, like you're, there should be a team that comes out of it probably with a very similar resume, oh, a much better resume for being honest to Mississippi State. But in terms of beating good teams, you you took down uh, Washington State, you took down Northwestern. Why am I not? Oh yeah, Arizona State to open the season. See, my brain's not working. Um, hey, we're the only team within the Trapezoid of Excellence to beat a team inside the Trapezoid of Excellence. Is Wazoo really in the Trapezoid of Excellence? They're on the if you treat it like any sport other than any sport where the where there's a target or lines, if you're on the line, you're in. Like archery, anything like that. If you're on the line, you're in. So I'm gonna say that they're on the line, so they're in. That was a, a wonderful graphic. We're not, we're not explaining the trapezoid of excellence. We're not. Go to my Twitter account, scroll, and you'll find it. Um But yeah, no, Steve playing really good basketball. And like I said. I only watched like five minutes of them this weekend. I just wasn't really able to sit down and watch. Uh, you know, you watched the, the, the right five minutes because, brother, let me tell you, that Sunday game got rough. So um, I made the call to watch football on Saturday. I also don't have ESPN Plus, so the call was made for me. On Sunday, watched every play. And I'll tell you what, I found out something about myself. Basketball keeps my attention better than football. Because I had Dallas and Mississippi State on at the same time, and I could not tell you what happened in the first half of that Dallas game. No clue. I know Bryce Young got sacked a lot. Uh, I know Dallas was up at halftime. That's about all I know. Um, the uh, the game was started out about as poorly as possible. Of course, you're in the winner's bracket looking for a championship. I found out a, they released a stat. Northwestern's lost like – five or six of these championship in-season tournament championship games in a row, which is incredible. But um, you get down 15 to three. You're shooting threes. You're turning the ball over. I noticed that our guard play and oh, to a lesser extent forward play, I don't think Cameron Matthews had his best game, especially early. Um, you're just turning the ball over. They're dumb turnovers, but also just 
Arizona, uh, excuse me, Arizona State. Um, Northwestern playing smart. Northwestern playing executing, you know, sound basketball. And if you want to think about the type of school and player and reputation that Northwestern has, you know, execution, uh, uh, slow pace, technique, shooting, um, not a lot of people breaking backboards over there at Northwestern. That kind of was the vibe. Now, in modern college basketball, you know, everybody's got studs, but just kind of bear with me on you know, what Northwestern basketball is. Uh, Big Ten, academic Big Ten school in the Midwest, okay? Now, there are an inner city or in the middle of a metropolitan area, but still, you get what I'm saying. Very um, methodical. And Mississippi State was getting sped up, was uh, trying to be a little bit lackadaisical, and Northwestern punches in the mouth. You get uh, – they, the, they made their first three shots – Smooth as butter. Defense was kind of asleep. And then once you get hot, you know, it's kind of a kind of the thing where gamers in basketball, gamblers fallacy can be true. Once you see a couple go through the net, it just makes it it makes it almost seem like more likely for the next few to go through the net. And that's what was happening. But the defense played for the and after the first two or three minutes, the defense was really, really good. And it allowed them to claw back into the game once their offense stopped turning the ball over, which they did stop. Once the guards started smartly and wisely using their athleticism to blow by people, to get open, to create some shots for themselves. And then Josh Hubbard just is a freaking animal. Uh, I I almost think that Ole Miss is probably thinking this too. It might have been worth it to keep Kermit Davis for a year just to get that kid on campus because he is special. Uh, I don't I don't know if you can – I mean, if you, I don't know if you can do that in college sports, like a player is so valuable that you keep a bad coach. But if, if there ever was a sport where that mattered, it was basketball because there's only five guys on the court and one dude can make a difference. I was, so, yeah, I was about I, to I interject wonder. there. Like Kermit, obviously, like I think we've all made fun of him. And I, yeah, Ole Miss basketball has not been great under him, but he's also not that bad of a coach. Like uh, Ole Miss he, just isn't good. Like it's yeah, not no, like he's had, and I'm not, that's not me like, sticking up for him now that he's gone. Like, like is Chris Beard better than him? Yes, he is. Um, that doesn't mean you look past Beard off the court. But, like, it's not like uh, Kermit was really that terrible of a basketball coach. Like, he got through to the tournament. He had another team that was, you know, and I, I think he had a couple NIT teams, at least one. Um, obviously, like, they were incredibly disappointing last season, and that's why they moved on. But – I think oh, they probably guys. I'm just going to be honest. Ole Miss is historically a putrid basketball program within the SEC. Probably yeah. the worst. <laughs> that plays plays a big role. Them in Missouri, right? What was that? Aren't them in Missouri like the least accomplished teams in the in the SEC? I feel like Missouri's got to be more accomplished in basketball. There's like, there's like a handful of teams, and I think Tennessee's one of them that's never made a Final Four. Oh, okay. You're talking about it from that standpoint. Because I'm, I'm like Missouri, like Tennessee basketball is obviously a good program. It has been. Yeah, for a Tennessee long time. basketball is obviously way better. Missouri basketball has had plenty of good seasons as well. Um, I feel like so, they have a recent memory. I just wonder if they were in the dumpster. Like I feel like back when they were a big rivalry with Kansas, and I guess they still are. They must have for them to be rivals with Kansas. They must have had some good years. Well, those those schools just hate each other in general. No, but t- to your point, Josh Hubbard is a good enough player. Like, if you could have kept him, like, and it's not like Kermit had done a, done a bad job in the portal. I get they got some big names, which I think some of them, like at least one of them, is not even eligible to play this year. 
with because with Beard coming in, but he had Kermit had gotten some good players to commit to Ole Miss over the past few years. Like they probably could have done something if you had Hubbard. Also, just while I'm speaking, and then I'll let you get back. Yeah, Shamanad literally hosts the event. That's that they're okay. like they're a, a school from Honolulu who hosts that event. They're a DT D2 program. This again, this is us not paying attention. They played it annually all the way through like 2018. And then since that point, they only do it in odd numbered years. Um, okay. so they're now they're not in it every single year, it's every other year. Gotcha. Well, makes sense anyway. The uh, Anyway, long story short, Ole Miss, you're not you're the opposite of a basketball school. I bet you wish you had Josh Humber now because he's an animal. So going back to Northwestern game, I, I was really, really impressed. Shaq Moore, uh Trey Fort, who busted his nose, but but was solid. I think I think I think with the knock on the rub on Trey Fort when he came in was can he defend? And I think he defended really well. Now I don't have a full scouting report on uh on Northwestern, if maybe he was guarding, you know, their fifth best scorer or something. I know he wasn't really guarding the the Boo Bowie guy who was really good. Although Mississippi State did really well on him, he only had nine points. He's supposed to be really good. Um, but I think Trey Fort was good, even when he wasn't scoring the basketball at time when he was on the court. But Shaq Moore, Deshaun Davis, and Josh Hubbard were phenomenal. All three of them made shots when needed to make shots. Defended well. Shaq Moore is one of the best on ball defenders. One of the best. Uh, guard defenders in all of college basketball. He was last year and he is again. And this team is not only clicking in all cylinders, they're finding multiple ways to win. You know, you won a game with Jimmy Bell uh going with for 14 and 14. Um go pounding it inside using your height. You won a game using your quickness and speed on the perimeter against Northwestern. Everybody kind of knows their role and knows what they're supposed to do. And the thing is, I think I'm echoing what some other shows have said, but I, I just do agree. I do for the most part agree. When Tolu Smith gets back, and maybe Keyshawn Keyshawn Murphy getting back if he plays a lot would be a little bit more disruptive to this. But when Tolu Smith gets back, his style of play it's not going to mess anybody else up. It's not like you know, obviously Jimmy Bell's minutes are going to decrease, but it's not like Cam Matthews or Shaq Moore or, or Deshaun Davis or Josh Hubbard or Trey Fort aren't going to be able to operate the way they normally operate because all of a sudden the center got better. You know what I mean? It's not like we're missing a, it's not like we're forcing a two guard to play point guard. Now everybody has to change once the point guard gets back. So I think that finding your role, everybody finding the role, finding multiple ways to win games, multiple ways to be your dynamic on offense and that you have multiple levels you can score at. You can score Jimmy Bell with his back to the basket, Cam Matthews, uh, driving in the goal and obviously shooting outside has been a lot better. It's just been really encouraging stuff. Well, I, I was kind of thinking about looking at the box scores for this game, and it kind of feels like week by – I know Josh Hubbard, it's obviously he, he's becoming a consistent player for this. Like, yes, an incredible game, but, like, this has been building over the past few games. Um, you know, I, 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 I talked about, I think, you saw this a lot last year where – you knew you had Tolu Smith every single night. And then it was like, who's the one other guy who's going to step up? Like, because you know, you have all these guys who play their roles really well between uh, Deshaun Davis, Cam Matthews, DJ Jeffries. Like, those guys are very much role players. Shaq Moore it can also be that, but he can also, you know, be your big time scorer. But what would happen like night by night is one of those four plus 
and or maybe somebody off the bench. Like Sean Jones had a few of those games. One of those guys is going to have a big game, and that's going to be just enough to, like, plus Kogu Smith will be just enough to push State over the finish line. It kind of feels like you're getting some of that early on this season. It's just you have more options, and you're getting better performances when you, when you, when when those guys are out there. Um, again, obviously, like you, you, I'm sure we'll see it rounded round into form a little bit, but like like Trey Ford, he's kind of you know faded a little bit over the last few weeks. Like after he, he has the incredible first game, he, I think he was you know he was good in the second or third game, and then after that it's faded. And I'm not saying that like mocking him or anything. But during that time, you've seen the emergence of, of Josh Hubbard. And, and I do think it's good for State that you have so many different guys who can play that role. And, again, like it gives you a lot of options with the lineups you're able to put out there and the number of guys that you're able to play. Like, if you if you get a couple guys to, you know, provide some consistency in his scoring threats, once you get Toby Smith back, I mean, this is a team that is going to be very, very dangerous. All right, and then uh, I agree with everything, and I just I, I'm really really excited. I didn't think that. Obviously, when Tolu Smith got hurt, our expectations were lowered a little bit for this non-conference, and we were kind of all just waiting for you know let's see what how they look. But if they we all kind of had this. Uh, Tolu Smith getting hurt made us sad, but we all have this kind of thing in the back of our head. Okay, the first 10 or 12 games don't matter that much, right? Now, because he played so well, these next five or 10 games matter a lot more because you can see, oh, shoot. We were thinking, you know, five to 10 seed, and with with Tolu Smith, you're thinking seven to 12 seed if Tolu Smith gets hurt and you have to – play some games without him. You might lose some games you otherwise wouldn't. Now you're thinking, we can win all those games with Tolu Smith plays or not. And then when Tolu Smith gets back, we can win some games that we thought we weren't going to win before we got hurt. And so uh, I think you you put some more excitement, but also some more less room for error now. Of course, Mississippi State could lose two of these non-conference games and everybody would be like, ah, oh, well, Tolu Smith's not here and it's all – it's all good. But until they lose that first one, there's going to be some anxiety with these games, which is good. It's good to have us invested. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I like. I get your point over you've raised the stakes a little bit of what this team could be. But in terms of getting to the tournament, the fact that you've won these games probably gives you a little bit of leeway. Like, you still yeah. – like, beating – I'm still thinking about it from a resume standpoint. Like, Probably your best, not like Northwestern or Rutgers were probably going to be your best non-conference opportunities, and and you still have Rutgers left to play. Uh, I think it's like the day before, two days before Christmas. Um, getting the win over Northwestern helps you a lot there. That's probably an NIT team, but that's still that's a quality going to be a quality team on the resume. Um, Washington State, we'll see what they are. Arizona State, we'll see what they are. Um, like neither of those should be bad wins for you, but like you give yourself a chance, like. North Texas, who's generally a good G uh, G five team. Now, I know they did lose to LSU, which probably is not a great sign. Um, but and I'm not close saying State should lose. What was that? Close game for LSU yeah. and North Texas. Very close. Um, I'm not saying like State should just lose. You know, oh, we lose that game now. But I, I do. It is the point of I think your state and you can navigate this non conference slate with two losses, and it's not none of them are tank losses. I think you're okay. And the fact that you picked up the win over Northwestern and you got the power conference wins you do. 
I think that puts yourself in a good spot. Now, look, to your point of earning a high seed. So like, like, like resume-wise, yes. I just mean in terms of my attitude, now that I believe we can win all these games, I'm going to be disappointed if we lose is all I'm saying. Not it. Now, of course, you lose. In hindsight, I'm going to go, well, you didn't have Tolu Smith, whatever. But while that game happens, I'm going to be upset. Previously, if we had lost Arizona State by two points without Tolu Smith, I'd have been like, uh, who cares? You know, it's – you lost without Tilly Smith. It's okay. No, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I, I'm going to try to not really – a loss is – loss will probably happen. If they get to the non-conference lane and they haven't taken a loss, then I am – I am – like, I'm fully there that this team is really good. But if they go through this thing without taking a loss, then I'm talking, okay, like, no, this is like – this is different level of good at, at that point. Would, would you say it – would you say it feels like ninety six? Um, <laughs> men's next game will be Friday. Take on Nichols, who defeated the aforementioned LSU Tigers earlier. But also, they're not really they're they're two and three. Like they have a win over LSU, lost to Tulane by ten, which Tulane's actually played pretty decent basketball so far. That's a team obviously State plays later. Lost to Denver, beat South Alabama in triple overtime. Lost to SIUE. I do not know who that is. Um, is it Southern Illinois University or Southern Indiana? It's not Southern Illinois. What but is it? it would... Say it again. SIUE. Oh. I don't know. Whatever. They, they, they lost that game by, by nine. Uh, so it's not like we're talking about an incredible team here, but obviously, like in your state, you can't can't fool around you got to be able to handle your business um over on the women's, women's side again i didn't get to see this game i know people were very stressed out though because it, it came down to the wire uh but the women's team does get the victory over belmont on the road good call on you for pointing out that belmont was decent and take get us taking the time to at least somewhat preview them given the fact that this game was tied going into the fourth and msu wins it by one point uh yeah Again, like I didn't get to watch here, but I, I would say it, it looks like the clear advantage MSU had was just like what saved them was the second chance points. Would I, would I be correct there? Yeah. So Jessica Carter had a huge game, and that's what you got to do against these uh, mid major opponents. They're going to have be well coached. They're going to have scores. I, I you can I can say the same thing about Northwestern. You know, execution, shooting. I think uh, they did a great job out of timeouts now i was keeping up with the game cast I, I again i don't have espn plus so but it seemed like every time there was a timeout and uh that belmont called they were able to score out of it so well coached um but the thing that that you should have an advantage over of, of, with mid majors is size and especially height jessica carter had a huge game and that's what you had to have uh to win this one half court i'll, I'll be honest I like the men a lot more than the women right now. And I've told y'all before that I'm hard on the women, just having personal experience with them. I expect a lot out of them. Uh, the half-court offense is, is iffy. It, it It's very streaky, very hot and cold. And at some point you're like, oh my gosh, these this they might score 100. And then sometimes you're like, they might not score this quarter. Um, but the defense has, has, A, has shown that it can travel. It's a high-scoring team in Belmont. And B, has showed that it can come up clutch and get some stops uh, and has been consistent. 
if they figure out the offensive piece, they're going to be really, really good. Um, Darion Rogers had a good game. Lauren Park Lane had a good game. Uh, I think Debrisha Poe had a good game. Jacqueline Jordan uh, had 13 points. So not like her superstar kind of stuff, but still, I mean, she averages 13 points the rest of the year. You'll take it. So really, really good stuff from the women. And I, I did say it could be a very tough game, and it was. Uh, they only had one game to talk about, and I didn't get to watch it. So I can't speak super specifically uh, about the ladies, but they will have three games this week. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one of them against Clemson, one of them against uh, – they don't play Miami this week. That's They do their ACC challenge thing later. Let me know if you find it. I'm looking to – I'm clicking the schedule now. I had to, I knew about the Clemson game. I was going to just bring that up. I wasn't going to look uh, – Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and then Tulsa. Okay. I don't know about Tulsa. I have to look at I'll, – I'll look at – I'll give a quick look at Tulsa, but you know, Clemson's four and one. I think they got obliterated by uh, South Carolina. Uh, yeah. I they, think they, they lost by a very nice score. By a what? A very nice score. Uh, they lost the deficit. I, I, the, the word, the, the, the key word of that sentence cut out on me, but. 109. Uh, yeah. To I don't. Jeez. The uh, Tulsa. Tulsa here, they they beat Northwestern State. They also beat New Orleans. We have a common opponent. LIN, don't know who that is. They lost to Oral Roberts by six. So it doesn't look like Tulsa is anything super special. Um, none of these games were huge blowouts, all within 15 points or less. But Clemson at a neutral site and then a couple neutral site games against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff and Tulsa. You got a, a nice, nice little end of the non-conference uh, streak uh, right around Thanksgiving then you, or the month of November, I should say. But both teams are in good shape. If I'm comparing the two, which, you know, really shouldn't do, I think the men are a little bit more complete right now until the women can get their consistent shooting and half-court offense figured out. Yeah, I, what, what I would say, I mean, just looking ahead for the women, um, I think you would expect, though, to win those three games. Like Clemson, Yeah, I know you can't look, South Carolina it's a different animal, but I would imagine State is somewhat closer to South Carolina than Clemson is. So you should get that win. And then I would obviously expect Pine Bluff and, you know, Tulsa, you you handle your business there. So if the women's team can take care of business this weekend, they will remain undefeated. Um, but, again, that's another team that is ranked in the top 25, another team that has positioned themselves to be, a, you know, a good seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, it's, we're a basketball school. Uh, we should shout out briefly – I know we did not talk about them on the show, um, but while we are a basketball school, we were briefly a soccer school. Shout out to soccer for an incredible season. Um, again, I know we didn't really give much attention. Uh, we're, we're not. I, I would not say we're to, we are to Chad Mask levels of disparaging soccer. Um, you know, we we have nothing against it. We just mostly tend to keep up with the the, the, the bigger sports on campus. But still, we do like to have uh, a well rounded athletic department that be successful in many ventures. And right now Mississippi state does. Um, I mean, truthfully, like, yeah, state's been really good in a lot of sports for several years now, which is a good thing with, with the school. Both golf, both yeah, tennis. I mean, volleyball had an incredible season a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Not this so year. I, I know, but still, you know, we, we've, we've had our moments across other sports, which, which is great to see. Moving back into football. Uh, coaching search. 
So we're not really going to do like updates, like diving deep into, like, obviously neither of us have sources, right? We're reading the same stuff you all are, you know, I'm, I know Colton, he's not on any of the boards. I'm, I'm still on Gene's page. I need to get an on three subscription at some point. I just don't want to pay for it right now. Uh, but I do have people giving me what, what on three is, is putting out there and you pass along that info. Um, I'll be honest, kind of feels like it's all over the place, right? I, I would say, like, what, what were you saying? Which is good. Potentially. Um, I know as of today, it kind of feels like the names that had been thrown around that are kind of like, you know, not going to happen were kind of like the retread guys uh, between Mullen, Malzahn, and uh, Tom Herman. Like, I know that that's the big update. And, and I'm going to interject here. I don't listen to Bounds. Uh, Chad Mass is going to get two shutouts in two minutes because he's doing the Lord's work. I don't know why Bo Bounds and some other people are obsessed with the retread coaches. Like, I'm not against them. I mean, if you told me right now that Dan Mullen was an ex-football coach, I'd be like, sure. If it was Gus Malzahn, I'd be like, eh, why not? Barry Odom? Fine. But why – he is insistent that not only is that going to happen, that's going to be a guy like that, but that that would be a home run hire. And I, what what is Gus Malzahn going to do here besides what he did at Auburn, minus a step because he has less money, less resources. I think realistically, the best you could expect from Gus Malzahn here compared to Auburn is one less game per year. And what do you think? It probably averages out to about a half, um, but like. That was, I think I hit that point in the first coaching search episode because I brought up both Herman and Malzahn because to me they're kind of the same candidate um, in that, which is why it's very ironic that some people were like super against the idea of Malzahn but are all in on Herman, which I like. That's just like yeah. because we saw Malzahn up close and personal is what that comes down to because they're the same coach. Um, we're both with kind that of similar – and also the idea that any of those – I mean, Dan, yeah, but the idea that Gus Malzahn is, is this amazing quarterback developer is what Bo Bounds thinks. He thinks that Gus yeah. Malzahn is a, is a quarterback whisperer. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah, look, I, I guess the point you're making is you've got someone that has proven that they can win at an SEC level, which what more could you ask for? Now, the Barry Odom one is a bit more – baffling that he's throwing him in there as a home run now i know like steve going back to him has said barry odom does seem to be you know a candidate to a certain extent now whether or not state's super interested is another story but he is interested in the job and give credit to barry odom he's having a remarkable year at unlv um they have a chance for a 10-win season here and a chance for a conference championship uh but i don't know I don't listen to Bo either. Obviously, I follow him, so I, I see some of the stuff. And occasionally, he has some interesting interviews. Look, I'm not saying this knocking, like saying this trying to like drag him or anything, but like I think a lot of radio guys do have a tendency to just sort of like they're going to say things because it's a lot more interaction, maybe more than some some other. Like, okay, I, every time I get on sports Twitter and I see someone who's in sports media that has a big following that says something utterly ridiculous. And I will say, I don't think Bo Bounce has ever done this. So credit for that. 
But every time I see somebody in sports media who just says something insane, gives an insane sports take, it's normally like some local radio guy. I, I so I guess that's just part of how that goes. What I what I will be a little critical of Bo for, and I don't know if this is what's driving this, but I think Bo has a tendency to like he has his connections, his guys that he he likes to listen to, and he just sort of has a tendency to like what those guys say is is what I'm driving for. There's one in particular, and I don't know if this has anything to do with this coaching search, but it drives me insane. And Bo's not the only the other guy who does this is SEC Mike, and it's the same person that they both preach the gospel of Dave Bartu, college football matrix, matrix analytical, who apparently we listened to for the hire of Kevin Barbe. He was the one person bumping Barbe as this incredible coaching you know, candidate as an OC. Barbe, it's uh, I kind of said it's analytics. He does like his big thing is coach uh, coach effect. Is that's kind of like where his big thing is, where he'll tell you how whether or not a coach has a positive impact on a program, like on game day in recruiting, so on and so forth. And Bounds and SEC Mike are like the two guys that will pull up Dave Bartu stuff any opportunity they get to to tell you and here's the thing with Bartu like I follow him he he occasionally has some good stuff Bartu kind of though is one of those analytics guys where he's like my analytics are right and everybody else's are wrong particularly when his analytics give you a differing opinion so like the, the best example of this is Mark Stoops he has been hammering this point that Mark Stoops is not a good football coach when he is in the modern era, far away, the most success. I, I know I'm going on this rant. I thought about this the other day, and it, it's very annoying to me. Stoops is far and away the most successful football coach Kentucky has had in its modern era. It's not even close. He's done things in that program that have never done before and probably will never happen again, considering the shape, changing landscape of the sport. And once he leaves, Kentucky is almost certainly going to get worse. And everyone in college football, minus like three people, will tell you, yeah, Kentucky is Kentucky fans are a bit like – I will never say fan bases can't be frustrated with some, you know, recurring themes that are annoying to watch. We did it with Mullen. Okay, the idea that Kentucky fans think it's time to move on from Stoops, they're insane because they don't realize that the program is probably going to get worse when you move on from him. But the only people who agree with them are the people who listen to Dave Bartu because Bartu's numbers say that Stoops is like a, you know, a C-minus coach effect. And every time SEC Mike can tell you that, he's going to tell you that. Every time – and then I don't know if Bounds – bumps that a bunch, but Bounds, like, anytime he can bump bar two, he does. So, mm-hmm. I say all that to say, it's very it's very much like I listen to this one educated guy that's smart, that I believe is smarter than everybody else, and I'm going to say that sound is to sound smarter than everybody else because it's a differing opinion. That That's the thing that irks with Bounds the most. I have no idea if that's what he's doing with this coaching search thing, but, you know, it, it, that, that's that's where, you know, that's, that's the whole deal there. Regardless, back to the actual search. It doesn't sound like those guys are going to be hired. Uh, it sounds like no. really any of the retreads are not going to be the case. Um, I guess Odom, there's still a possibility there. But I know, you know, there were reports. We've spoken with Elko and that he may have some interest. We'll see on that. That would be huge if State could make that happen. A lot of, you know, fans putting two and two together trying to – is it Dave Doran? Like, I possibly. That's a guy we didn't talk about. Um if things get a little bit more serious there, like I, that's Doran is the definition of a hire that the fan base would not be excited about at all. 
But in terms of hiring a coach who has proven that he can win consistently at a level that is acceptable at Mississippi State, he is that. Like, that's literally just what he is. Well, tell um, them who, he, who that is so that they know who we're talking about. I said Dave Dorn. What is, what's his job right now? What's he doing? Oh, sorry, him. NC State. There you go. Which the, also, average, this is where the average SEC football fan does not know who Dave Torn is. It, well, that reminds me about it. that our our fan base is making me lose. I can under if you if you want to say I would not be excited with Dorn, I'm not going to yell at you because I would not really be excited with it either. But there are people like Dorn would be a complete. I haven't seen as much with him, but like the idea of he would be a complete disaster because it's not sex. Like the number of our fans who genuinely believe that a power five coach outside of the sec who is not winning like nine, 10 games a year, is just not a good enough coach to be successful here. Like Dave Clawson. Well, I know, I don't think you were excited about it. like people were speculating. What, what if it's him? And people were acting like Dave Clawson is this terrible football coach. He's at Wake Forest. He was winning seven to eight games a year at Wake Forest. He has an ACC championship game appearance in an 11 win season. Now they're bad this year, but it's one down year. And he wouldn't talk about exciting. His team score points all the time. Like, I don't think Dave Clawson is going to be the next Mississippi State head coach. Everything I understand about Clawson is that he's not going to come. I, I, was, I wasn't excited because I think that's going to be uh, a complete rebuild offensively. Eh, I mean, my, my point is just the number of our fans, like a, a candidate I'll bring up in a second with Willie Fritz, the number of our fans who act like he's not a good football coach, but the people acting like Doran's not a good enough football coach to come here. And it's like, A, so you, some of your opinions of Mississippi State are way too inflated. B, your opinion of the SEC is way too inflated. If you think that if the number of times are like, he has this record in the ACC. I, it's, SEC football fans are, are insane. Like this opinion that we're so far superior than every other conference that, you know, whatever. Um, but Dorn was someone that we, there was speculation around. I know there was a, a lot of chatter, not excitement, not smoke, but chatter about Shane Beamer because of the connection. Um, that was another one Steve Robertson kind of shut down, like it's not going to happen. Mixed opinions on no, that would be a failure. Shane Beamer would be a failure. See, I, I would I be excited about Beamer at all? No. Do I think he'd be a failure? Also, no. This, I, that's that he's not who I would hire. I would not want Shane Beamer. I am telling you, like Shane Beamer is not as I bad. Don't, a I don't mean coach. like, I don't mean like a failure. Like he would fail. I mean, with as many good candidates as there are, we have failed. If that's the best we got. No, okay, I would agree with that. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like he might come here and he might surprise me. But, but on the surf, but grading the hire this week, if that were to happen this week, it's a failure. F, like I would, no, I would agree. F. There are football coaches who look like they have been more successful and are probably like would be better for you than Beamer. And I'll, like even a guy like Dorn, who's not a sexy hire, would be better than that, considering that he's been doing it for eleven years now and has had multiple stops as a head coach where he the guy just wins football games. Like the, Dorn is like a a longevity version of like we talked about Leipold being a guy who just wins football games. Dorn kind of fits that mold as well. It's just Dorn's doing it at NC State in a fashion that's not sexy, so it doesn't jump off the page. Whereas Leipold, it's like this quick turnaround at Kansas, and like they're a lot more fun to watch, so it you know it gets more attention. Um, was Dorian? Uh, I mean, was NC State garbage before Dorian? 
No, but they were they weren't as good. They're they're kind of, NC State historically is a program that goes to bowls. Like they're a NC State is a seven and five football program. Um like that's sort of like their thing. Like they have one ten win season in school history. They went eleven and three with Phillip Rivers in two thousand two. Uh two twenty twenty one they were nine and three regular season and they didn't get to play their bowl game because UCLA dropped pulled out because a bunch of kids getting sick. So that could have been their second 10 win season. That would have been under Dorn. Uh, if they beat UNC this weekend, they would also be a nine and three year. A nine and three, at the very least, even if it's eight and four, a lot of people are saying this is like the best coaching job of Dorn's career with some of the injury issues and quarterback play issues they've had this year. The fact that they're as good as they are is a big testament. And like the guy's just a good football coach. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to be him. It's just there, there was a lot of chatter around him. But it Chad could be Mike Elka. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I'm still not really fooled by on Elko. I feel like he's got his sights set on more. Um, like I think he could have better opportunities and would definitely, you know, take them. Mixed opinions on Chadwell. I know a lot of the two four seven guys, including like some of their national guys, are hammering it is not going to be him. But then you've got other people who continue to tell you no, like he's in the running for this and is interested in the job. Um, so. You know, who who knows what the, the idea is there? Rhett Lashley is another one where it's kind of like mixed opinions. The only guy who I consistently you consistently hear get brought up to me is Willie Fritz at Tulane, where like it I don't be every could do a lot worse than that, a lot worse. No, for sure. I, I get that. There's the concern over age. I think now I've seen the people doing the thing of he's had two good seasons and when he had an NFL quarterback, yeah, he's at Tulane. I, I don't think people understand how difficult a job that has been historically. And I also saw somebody like downplaying the American, the Americans, a bad conference. It wasn't a bad conference last year when you had Luke fickle at Cincinnati, you still had UCF Houston is still in the league. Uh, like SMU starting to, to come up. Like the American is a good conference or it, it took a big, bigger hit this year, but like, He's had a lot of success. He's he had good seasons there. He had some up and downs, like two and ten a few years ago, but then he immediately turns around and they have the season they did last season, and then they're really good again this year. Like Fritz, I, I think I talked about it. He is the definition of like the guy is just a good coach who knows how to go into tough situations and win football games. It's not sexy. It's not flashy. The age is a thing there, but I, I definitely agree. You could do a lot worse, and I think he would come in and bring you some success. Um, now, like, uh, what I was going to say with it, like, he is the one consistent name. I feel like every coaching search update that I get from anyone, you continue to hear Willie Fritz is a guy that is, you know, legit interested in the job and state has, you know, shown some interest his way. Like, I'm not going to, you know, bet on it, but I kind of feel like that there's probably some sit, unless it's going to be the classic Mississippi state thing where it's a guy who's just not getting talked about a lot which is where I think Doran would come into play or just some other John Summerall has not really been discussed much. I think Steve had an update saying that like he would take the job. Um, I, which I, he would not, it would not surprise me if that's, you know, how things were to end up uh, Summerall at Troy. Um, but I think the fact that every update where it's like, you have all these differing opinions on all these candidates, that every single time you hear about Fritz, it's Yeah. He'd be very interested in taking the Mississippi State job, and State is also looking at him as well. That says a lot. Um, I mean, do you, do you have a stance on on, on a preference 
what, what, how do you feel or just any feelings you have towards how the search has gone to this point? Just don't hire Shane Beamer and I'm good. I really don't care. Just, yeah. I don't know if I, I mean, if all of South Carolina's five stars came with him, maybe, but because they have a lot coming up, they have, they have like three or four five stars or something like that. That doesn't sound right. Three or four is a lot. They got one the other day. I don't know. But no, I still wouldn't do it. The uh, We didn't talk about Kenny. I know some people, some people on the opposite end of Bo Bounds think that if you hire a G5 coach, that that's a failure no matter what. You should never hire a G5 coach. And they're stumping for like, you know, Jed Fish or uh, I already forgot the Oregon State guy's name, Jonathan something. Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith. Look at me. Um, because, but only because they've coached the name of the conference that they coach in, you know, res- throw the resume out the window. So I, I don't see that. That's another extreme that I don't think uh, should happen. I just, I just know for a fact that Zach Selman and them are not excluding or making sweeping uh, justifications uh, for this type of coach or that type of coach based on, you know, because they want to, or, you know, still that kind of thing. So I'm glad that that's the case. I don't see why you would exclude it. We are not above hiring a group of five head coach. We're not above hiring a power five coordinator. We're not above hiring a retread. I think all those could happen. Um, I will say this, if we hired like Arkansas and South and South Carolina have has had to do, if we hired a, a position coach, that had never been a head coach or a coordinator, I would be a little scared. It worked out. You could argue for those two schools. Maybe it's not now. But if we hired like a G5 coordinator or something or somebody that's never been a head coach in this particular case, I'd be a little scared. But other than that, I I think – I don't know if I said this enough on the show last week. There is a ton of viable – I mean, do we break down – I think I counted. We broke down like 29 candidates. That that All of whom – if you coach, if they became our coach, you'd be like, at the very worst, eh, many of whom you'd be thrilled about. So I wouldn't sweat it too much. You brought up Kenny. That's another one where it kind of feels like the conversation is in. I think a lot of talk is like state is considering them. And I know people are kind of freaking out because they they just had 77 put on them by Arkansas State and uh, Butch Jones. They had 28 put on them in like two minutes on four turnovers. Didn't Correct. They kickoff. It's still a blowout, but like You've got a kickoff return and then three defensive touchdowns mixing into that. Like, it happens. Um, no, but I, I agree with your point. Um, the idea that it has to be a, a guy who has been at a high-level job before at some point in his career, I think is insane. And the idea that it can't be um, a, a G5 coach is, is also insane. Like, I said early in this process that if you're at Mississippi State and you're saying that our only prospects are to go after fitting power five head coaches who are, you know, posting like 10 win seasons this year, nine, 10 win seasons, you're going to be disappointed. Now, it does appear that state's going to get a little bit more play at the power five level than maybe I thought. Like Dave Dorn's a guy, I'll admit, I'll admit Dorn doesn't surprise me because Dorn was in the old running for Ole Miss when they hired Kitty. So, like, if that happens, I won't be shocked in that, given the ACC situation. I also had somebody, like, kind of suggest that, like, their NIL is rough and that there's just not a commitment to football at NC State in general. 
Um, and I know I said on a recent pod that <laughs> Mississippi State from an NIL standpoint is always going to be behind a lot of the SEC. I will stand by that, but certainly seems like moves are being made to really up things, which if you're talking about Mississippi State relative to the rest of the country, sounds like getting into a really good spot to, you know, shout out to the Bulldog Initiative for, you know, doing that and making the push that they have. I can definitely see it. I could definitely see how you could pull a Dave Dorn if, 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 if that, I don't know if that's the guy, but I'm just using him as an example. Um, but like, I know people bring it up Jed Fish and Jonathan Smith. Those are guys who are going to be in the running for other jobs. Like AM, like, they're fans. I don't know about their administration, but like AM fans are like talking up fish a lot right now. But I know Michigan State is. Um, I don't think Chip Kelly's getting fired now, but I know that there was talk like, you know, listening to some people like if UCLA opened, like they would probably go after fish. Um, he, he was their OC there when Josh Rosen was quarterback. Uh, so, I mean, and, and Jonathan Smith is, I think one of the top options for Michigan state. So I, I don't know about state being able to pull, you know, those coaches, uh, but I could see some of these other options as well, but no, I, I do think, most of the candidates who have come up, I think, are really good options. Like, the ones that you are hearing consistently, like, and it, I'm, they're not necessarily sexy options. And I think, yes, we would all love a coach who comes in and is going to score 50 points a game. They'd be a ton of fun. But in terms of just, like, coaches who have shown they consistently win football games, like, I, I think State's probably going to land one of those guys. Um, now, like, I, I we didn't really – I would – I still would, like – if you could get me Chadwell or Lashley, those would be my choices personally. Um, I, I just think there's a, there's a lot that you can Are do we there. Just with, that light pole, that light pole just won't happen. He, he's not really getting talked about lately. I, I feel like that's just probably past that. I guess I just figure with some of the Big Twelve chances, uh, Big Twelve connections, that we'd have a, a sh- an outside shot. Because if I was hand picking, that's what I'm gonna pick. I mean, other than um, I mean, you could pick Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, but you know, no, yeah, no, Leipold would definitely be be up there, uh, for sure, if if you could do it. But I think for me, semi realistic perfect world, perfect world would be Chadwell Lashley. Like the Chadwell thing, like Lashley again. There's there's different opinions there on whether or not how movable he is. The Chadwell one is interesting though because you have two different websites saying completely different things, and. Brandon Marcello had the update on 247 where he was like, you know, Chadwell only wants to move for a big-time job. And I was like, on the surface, I get that. And, yes, there are better jobs in Mississippi State. But if you have any understanding of how Chadwell is – why he is at Liberty right now anyway. And also just knowing what I know – like, like it doesn't make – I don't think that opportunity would come. Like, I think Marcello made a point – if I'm misquoting him, I'm wrong. But I think he brought up, like, you know, potentially if Florida were to move on from Napier within the next year. I would be stunned if that happens and then they hired Jamie Chadwell. Because the, the whole reason Jamie Chadwell was even at Liberty to begin with is because he had zero Power 5 experience of any kind. And Power 5 jobs freak out over that stuff. Particularly those at the top of the sport that expect to compete for championships. They want people who have had the ties to that level of the sport. Um, And the other thing was that, like, I'm not even joking. The fact that he does not act like a politician, and or at least he didn't at Coastal, 
And he was very much just a, I'm just a ball coach and, you know, had the mullet and was just kind of hanging out with his team and not doing the whole, uh, you know, kissing hands, shaking babies. All I miss. <laughs> you, no, I've heard it that way too. I think we're going to go with that from, from now on. I think that's how. I, I, that's how I, if I ever say, use that phrase, I use it backwards like that because it's funny. That's that was completely unintentional, but I think that's the way that I'm going to say that from the rest for the rest of my life. Y'all know what I mean. Um, you know, you always got to shake babies. Uh, but he didn't do a lot your of that. Local, your local medical student here is telling you to not shake a baby. That is a thing. Shaking baby syndrome is a thing. Uh, if you don't know what it is, look it up. It's scary. But um, anyway, like. The fact that he was not super politician-y, like their big time programs expect you to do that because it's how you have to deal with boosters and the, how they want you to represent the program. So like big time programs wouldn't hire him. So he's like, all right, fine. I'm just going to go to this job at Liberty where they're going to pay me $5 million a year and I'm going to win 12 games, killing the rest of the Conference USA because we're just that much better than everybody else. Which, you know, you know what just crossed my mind? What? what just crossed my mind would be the absolute most insane thing that could happen. But is but theoretically there's a path that it could happen. Go ahead. Jim Jim Harbaugh. There's zero percent chance. What if what if Michigan has to fire him though? He would not come to Mississippi State. Would you rather not coach than than come to Mississippi? He might rather not coach. I don't know. I think well, he also is probably going to have NFL. I don't, I don't, probably so. I don't think that would happen. Uh, and I think he would have to if he had a show cause. He would either have to not coach or go to the NFL anyway. So, but <laughs> that would be. I don't think that's going to happen at all. That just crossed my mind. Like like he could get fired, and it would be a demotion. He would have to. I mean, he's not going to uh, go coach at A and M after he uh, got fired from Michigan. He'd have to take a step down more than likely, but. Either way, sorry for those of you that get offended that think we're a step down from Michigan or don't think we're a step down from Michigan. Um, but back to Chadwell, the point that I'm getting at here is I don't think him going to Liberty is going to change the opinions of big to like top 15 level jobs. Are there better jobs in Mississippi State? Yes. What are the what is so the job to open? He has to do he has to do good at a place like Mississippi State to get the job that he wants. Correct. I don't. I do not see what the opening would be where Chadwell can legit play. Now, look, maybe he just like sees the job and like, eh, I think there are other options that could open up down the line that I would be a little bit of a better personal fit for me. Totally fine. But I, I kind of feel like there's a chance, like there's some smoke screen stuff going on with that. Um, but we'll hey, see. Maybe we could, uh, we could, uh, if we take one of those sitting power five head coaches in North Carolina, he'd fit in nicely right there. Yes, he would. Anyways, uh, we'll, we'll see how this coaching search wraps up. I, I would take a – I am going to say that if a coaching hire has not been announced by like a week from now as we record, so that will be Tuesday, then I think the coach is someone who's in a conference championship game this coming weekend, which would be the likes of Summerall, um, Chadwell, Chadwell potentially last. No, I think Lashley locked up a spot. Uh, Fritz, Fritz potentially. 
Uh, I think that would kind of be your group. I think if it's if it's any sitting Power Five head coach, almost certainly that would get announced prior. If it's a coordinator, which I hope it's not, but if it is, I feel like that would start to come out. Uh, but yeah, I, I would just the. It sounds like State is is. It, I know, like Steve said in his update, like Selman's not going to rush things, but like they still they hope to have an offer. Uh, extended within the next few days, or an agreement, an agreement made within the next few days. But if not, they'll, uh, you know, they're not going to rush it. I, I kind of feel though, like if you if you haven't heard something by early next week, I think it's a coach who is still coaching, and, and that'll be my little spin on it. All right, the egg bowl. There is a football game being played this week. Believe it or not, there is, there is a game being played. Mississippi State. Host Ole Miss in Starkville on Thanksgiving night. Uh, going to be cold, potentially rainy, which that's just – I guess that's become an Egg Bowl tradition. That's the, last, that's the last two in Starkville and the last two period, last three period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't raining in 2019, but it was freezing. It was chilly. Nothing was colder was... than 2013. 2013 was like 25. Yeah, see, I was not in 2013. Um, 2019 was, nope. you know, I, I was game. at that game. So the line, I'll I know the line on this game. What were you saying? I said, I'll defer to you on weather. Yeah. The line of the game keeps dropping. It opened up right around, I think the earliest lines you saw were right around two touchdowns. Then over the like some of the other books came out around ten or eleven. Now I guess it's down. I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I saw people say it keeps dropping. So I guess it's probably around a touchdown or so. Uh, that's all because they met Jackson Dart might not play. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, right. Dart, I, I would be shocked if he does not play this game. I would be shocked. Let's just like cut to the chip. Can Mississippi State win this football game? Oh yeah, they can. If they do, if they play defense like they did last year, we saw how well that they, how poorly they played on offense and still won the game. So if you have no confidence in the offense, but the defense, it lets. I mean, maybe those that defense just has Lane Kiffin's number, you know. Well, and they also they gave them some problems early in Starkville in twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, they gave them plenty of problems with the state's defense in twenty eighteen. Um. 2021, yeah, early in that game, like State's defense was able to get some stuff going. Yeah, if, if if Matt Corral wasn't fast, they win that game. Straight up. And he's faster than Jackson Dart. So, not that Jackson Dart's not fast. It's kind of fast. It, it is an interesting dynamic. I mean, look, we're not going to do too deep of a dive, which is crazy. It's the Egg Bowl. But I just know that like that's not where people's attention is right now. And it's not where my – this is like – the least I've really, I don't know, 2020, I, I was kind of very checked out. because It was just like, this is just a weird year. State taking 50 players or whatever to that game, like whatever. Um, It's just, I, it's not, I know the fan base, there is some life back into them because of, you, know, you got a chance to go to a bowl, chance to spoil their season. And, you know, 
put some sort of a positive spin on what has been a terrible year. Not to suggest that the year becomes a success, as certain Ole Miss accounts on Twitter did, but to, at the very least, say, well, we got something out of this. But it was still a very disappointing year. Right. And nobody has to sit there and say, oh, I hope we lose so we fire the coach. Already happened. We got that in front is, of that. That is very nice that it's been taken care of because that's, that would be the conversation hanging over the team right now. Instead, it's very much like, hey, man, Greg Knox has these guys fired up. You know, 3-0 and is an interim – or 2-0 and is an interim at Mississippi State. Uh, I think he's 3-0 and interim at all times as a coach at Florida. At Florida, uh, he well. he lost one of his games. He lost one of his games where he at Florida. Oh, he did. Yeah, I mean, well, overmatched Florida State team. Uh yo, yeah, yeah, they did. Wait, no. I thought they they beat lost that. one of the games. <laughs> they might have beaten Florida State, but he lost. They lost one of those games. I know for a fact. Yeah, because Florida State wasn't good because that year. I remember, they, they weren't. They weren't. I remember though that uh. I remember that Greg Knox. I was disappointed because Greg Knox is no longer lost. To, had his first loss, but now anyway, the uh, the Egg Bowl. You know, while you're looking that up, I don't know. It is kind of a he I'm lost be, the bowl game. Ah, the bowl game. That's right. That's why I'm going to be nervous. I know I'm going to have that sitting, like sinking pit in my stomach uh when kickoff happens but you know right now maybe it's because i got too much going on with school but i'm a bit carefree about it you know like it is what it is i i feel the same and i imagine i will also have the same feeling once the game kicks off or is about to kick off i think i've said before on the show that every year the egg bowl rolls around and like just you get about an hour before the game and i just get a feeling of existential dread hanging over me i hate the egg bowl I love the Egg Bowl, and for the Egg Bowl-ness, I despise it during the game. It is the worst watching experience I will I have every single year watching Mississippi State athletics, outside of the except like the few years where states just handle business. Um, Until like it, when when it's when it's clear in the third second quarter who's going to win, which what when, when that we're going to win, which was what. 2018 even even in 2016 i was like pleasantly surprised in the second half but we hadn't it was what 27 20 at halftime it was before we scoreless and scoreless you know that game wasn't in hand like there's very seldom when you're just watching the egg bowl and you're like oh yeah you're just like this is nice it doesn't happen it is an unpleasant experience it's like a root it's like getting a root canal without novocaine it is exactly like that um yeah, I, I don't know. I just I have a hard time getting a great feel on this game. It's like, or I have a hard time getting excited. And I understand like state has an opportunity to like, yeah, you can get to a, a chance and get to a bowl even if they don't win. It, which I'm not going to be the one to say don't accept it. I get it. You practices. It's just you can then throw it up on the graphic. What is it? Would it, would it be 15 straight years at that point or 14? Uh, I guess I it doesn't matter. 14. Um. You can still throw that on the graphic. Oh, you know, one of only blank number of programs that have gone to a bowl game for the last 14 years. Um, so, like, I, I get it, but obviously you would love to get the win, a chance to close things out right on what has been a very frustrating season. And it, it, then it becomes a case of, like, getting something to be excited about 
during football season that was not firing a coach, right? It's obviously an important game from, from that standpoint that you have an opportunity to, to – it does not salvage the season by any means, but you have an opportunity to at least have something positive with this year because you haven't had anything to this point to be positive about at all uh, this season. Again, outside of firing the coach, which is a sad state of affairs when that's what you were being positive about. Um, Ole Miss, obviously, it's kind of weird situation with them. I mean, they're they're nine and two, but it's again a very unimpressive nine and two. It is a very similar situation, not on the MSU side, but on the Ole Miss side for do their twenty twenty one season. Um, I, I guess this team does have a slightly better win with beating LSU, but LSU probably should have won that game, and also LSU's not. Great. LSU's defense is horrendous. They just have, I think, Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman. But, like, other than that, they're just not that great of a team. Like, when Ole Miss has played better competition, you, you've seen what it looked like. And they weren't impressive against Arkansas. They weren't impressive against all. Um, Texas A&M clearly is not good. And, like, they were not impressive in that game. Ole Miss has not looked like a, all that great of a football team. They've just managed to win a bunch of games that you know, against teams that just really were and, not all that great. Let's be honest, if Michael, if Michael Pratt plays, they lost to Tulane. Probably would have lost that game, yes, with the way things were playing out. Um, so it's not unfathomable at all that they could come into this game and, you know, just got, you get a fired up MSU and you find a way to pull it off. Um, but, but don't count. Def- yeah, I would, I would not count on it for sure. Like, I still think the Rebels are probably going to win this game. And look, we can't, yeah, State won the game, obviously, in Oxford last year. We're not going to discount the fact, like, yeah, Lane Kiffin was had his mind elsewhere. He just did. Like, he, he had all but accepted the Auburn job. And uh, things fell apart after that. But his attention was very much elsewhere. And it did have an impact on how Ole Miss was able to play down the stretch towards the end of last season. I don't think we're really going to get that this time. I know Lane's name is coming up for Texas A&M, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I also – there is a difference between Lane having his name floated out there because name – Lane – and I keep stumbling over words – Lane enjoys to play the game when it comes to coaching searches and likes to just get himself out. Like I, I'm not, I don't disbelieve that the guy would like a job other than the one he has currently, but I don't think it's going to get serious enough as the way things did with Auburn to where he's there's like that distraction factor. I, I would be surprised. So I do think you'll get a different uh, level of attention from Ole Miss. Now I just don't know how good are they that they're going to really just, that they would just come in and kill state. That would surprise me because again, they have not played all that well. And I do think you were going to get a fired up effort from Mississippi state. Mississippi state can win this football game. I think it's very unlikely, but that possibility exists. If you get MSU's best game and Ole Miss kind of plays the way that they've played a lot recently, then I think state wins, but it'll be tough to see that. Taking a look at the rebels. uh, Let me pull up. My, where is my other? There it is. Okay, sorry. Um, like I said, like nine and two of the season, ranked team just haven't been super impressive doing it. 
Uh, we, look, we know the game, name of the game with Ole Miss is what they do offensively. Scoring 36.5 points per game, putting up close to 470 yards of offense per game. Uh, you know, Jackson Dart, at quarterback, has had a pretty good season. Um, he's thrown for nearly 2,900 yards at just under 10 yards per attempt, completing 66% of his passes, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's also run for seven touchdowns and 345 yards. Um, he, I, I would say that Dart has taken a step forward this year. Uh, I talked a lot about it last uh, going into the season how he had good numbers overall, but so much of his success was coming down to the fact that that offense was able to scheme up a lot for him. And then when the things got put on his shoulders, he was not able to really carry the load. I don't know if I would say he's at a fully carry the load spot yet, but he has played much better. And at times he has, you know, kind of helped that offense out significantly. Now, still a ton of what they're going to do is through their run game. And we know who that is. It's John Judkins, uh, not putting up the ridiculous numbers that he did last season, but he still has 14 rushing touchdowns. He's run for 933 yards is averaging 84 yards a game. Um, Look, he's an absolute stud. But the key to the game a year ago was that State was able to shut him down. Like, it was kind of ironic how that game played out that on a rainy night where you've got to trust the ground game, it was the air raid team that was able to run the football successfully. It was not Ole Miss, who had been running the ball on everyone. State's defense had a fantastic game plan. I think so much of the success in this game is going to come down to whether or not you can limit Judkins and force them into – I still think Ole Miss is a team where even with Dart's – improvements they are not necessarily set up to consistently have to be dropping back and throwing the ball um, they're better at it this year but not as good now but trey harris has emerged as a credible receiver 824 yards eight touchdowns dade wade and jordan Watkins have also gotten very involved uh caden pre-store and at tight end has been a, been a player that's emerged for them recently he's averaging over 17 yards of catch as a tight end uh with some of the stuff they're able to hit him hit, hit for him off play action um this is, I mean, this is a good Ole Miss offense. It's a talented receiving core, obviously fantastic backfield. Not great up front, but look, it's Kiffin. They're going to be able to score a lot of points. You talked about it earlier. State's defense did such a fantastic job of shutting them down a year ago. I mean, do you think this defense clearly is not as good? We, we have, we've seen that. Is there any world where they can – at least play hard enough. Like, can Jet Johnson and Buki Watson have the dominant performances and make enough stops to keep State in this game? Uh, here's the thing. How much of that last year had to do with Zach Carnett? You know? Uh, he's not he, – I mean, it's not like we demoted him back to D.C. He is gone. His his key card to the SEAL Center doesn't work anymore. Um. I don't know. It it I know that Greg Knotts is a stabilizing force. Uh he's a guy that, that can um have a steady hand at the wheel. He can get his guys fired up without getting them too uh out over their skis. And so if there was a chance that you don't come out flat and or too jacked up, you know, you've elevated you've lowered the risk of that happening coming out too jacked up or, or or flat now that you've gone ahead and made the move, I think. Um 
so there's that that's going for you, but you're, I think it's just going to have to come down to can those guys have a great game plan? Can they watch a ton of film this week? Can they uh, scheme up something? Can they outcoach Lane Kiffin X's and O's wise like they did last year? I mean, last year, you can chalk it up to distractions if you want, but last year Lane Kiffin got outcoached. Bart, I mean, it's it's as simple as that. It, whatever Zach Arnett, whatever Lane Kiffin did, Zach Arnett had a move to counter it, and it paid off in spades. So it just depends on how much those defensive coaches that are still there that were here last year, most of them, can they lean on what they did a year ago? Can they look and see how, how Ole Miss has changed from a year ago and compare that to how we've changed or Mississippi State has changed and and figure out a game plan that's comparable to last year? It'll be harder last year than it, or excuse me, harder this year than it was last year. You don't have Emmanuel Forbes, namely, but you st- most of that stopping the run stuff that goes through your linebackers and that and that unit is is strong this year. So it's possible it's a taller task than it was a year ago, but you're playing at home. Uh you have the senior night thing going for you or going against you, depending on the on you know how you look at it. You've got maybe Will and, and Jaquavis, maybe Jaquavis Marsh has gotten healthier. Maybe uh, Will has knocked some rust off and you, you've got a chance. Uh, you got a better chance than you had, you know, when Zach Garnett was still the coach and when Mike and Mike Wright was still the quarterback. So I like her. It looks a lot better than it did two weeks ago, but I still wouldn't think I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not putting my mortgage on this game. On the other side of the ball, Pete Golding comes in as DC. Olmus is improved defensively. And through, I think the first half of the season, people were applauding them. Like, this defense is so much better. Like, this is legitimately good defense. I, I think we're, we're past that point now. Um, LSU game was not a fluke. Obviously, LSU's offense is otherworldly, but they have just been really bad at times on that side of the ball. Really, against the off- the offenses they have played that have a pulse have been able to light them up. Um, now, But not ours. It's <laughs> a good point. Ours does not necessarily apply there. Um I would say the biggest thing that Ole Miss does well is the fact that they they create negative plays. Um, they are really good in terms of creating havoc plays. I don't have havoc right pulled up in front of me, but I would imagine they'd be one of the better units in the SEC. They are top three in the conference when it comes to sacks, tackles for loss, interceptions, and forced fumbles. That's that's what they do. They create negative plays to take the ball away from their opponents. Now, they are not good on third down. If you get into the red zone against them, you are probably scoring a touchdown. Um, and look, they do give up a lot of yards. Like they've again, better offenses have been able to shred them. Again, how much does that apply for Mississippi State? It's just, and when I say shred them, it's on both sides. Like for a while, it was like, well, their pass defense is bad, but their run defense is good. Recently, it's it, their pass defense is still bad, but their run defense really is not that much better either. So if your state, I don't know, like, I'm not going to come into this. Like, last year, it was very clear if State could find success on the ground, you were going to be able to light them up, and that's that's what happened. Um, I don't think there is a, a one-way-or-another advantage in this one. Uh, I would say it is probably in State's best interest to try and turn this game into a, a grinded-out game. Like, I think State's chances in this one are to ugly it up. Like, you can't have the, the, the negative plays, the turnovers, like you have it. 
you have to sit on the ball and, and grind it out, keep their offense off the field, and just kind of chip away at their defense throughout the game. Um, I, I think that is your best opportunity because I, I know. Well, I say that like their secondary is bad enough that if I trusted MSU's passing game, then I would say by all means line them up. Like I've seen people say, if we could bring back the air raid for a week, that'd be great. I would agree with that. But knowing what I know about this MSU offense, I don't think MSU has an opportunity to just try and – I don't know if State can try to make this thing a shootout. I think they're going to fail. I think they can they can have some success. I think guys like Tulu and Savion can have big games. I think Woody Marks can have a big game. But you, the, the key, biggest key for State is, like, you have to avoid the big negative plays. And I think if you can find a way to just ugly this game up, and keep them off the field, that's probably your best chance to be in this thing. Um, I guess, like, that. I mean, there's not much more to say in terms of a breakdown. How, how, how do we feel? Let's just get to it. Prediction time. Do, do you have a score? What was that? Don't make me pick a score. Don't make me pick a score. It's gonna hurt me too much to pick to pick a score. I just I can't make the word make my mouth say those words. <laughs> like I, I will said, say, don't okay. I just, don't put the mortgage on it. I've said I don't expect to win the game. I'm not you're you're not gonna make me pick a score that has the rebels having more points than us. I'll be full homer on that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I I used to do that as well. Now, <laughs> my uh, my my heart's grown cold. Look, I, I think. Well, I guess I should lay lay out. I I did leave out. Look, I think defensively, what it comes down to is can you get them behind the chains? I think Dart being banged up matters here. Like, if you can get pressure on him and attack him, that helps you a lot. I think one of the biggest things. And this was huge for State last year was. When Ole Miss got going fat, like oh, that Ole Miss offense, when they get into a rhythm and it's tempo, 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 that you're dead. You're not stopping. When you get them off that and you slow them down a little bit, they don't operate nearly as effectively. So I think that's huge for State. Can you create the negative plays with your defense to not allow them to get into that rhythm where they're just rolling? And on the and can you get after Dart as well? To, to speed up the process for him. And then the other side of the ball, it's just, I think you have to grind this game out and, and limit their own opportunities. Um, uh, another good point that I just thought of, Lane Kiffin teams have, I mean, look at the Georgia game. First quarter, national champions. And then the rest of the game, uh, survive the, surviving the, we've said this, I think we've said this every year since they, Lane Kiffin's been there, but survive the first quarter. Big thing. Well, it's it's scripted plays. No, like no, Kiffin. he's he's a great great at the script. Like the script, his his first ten plays are fantastic. Their first couple drives are going to be good because he is going to he is going to know. Okay, this is what they've shown on tape. This is what we can do to exploit it, and we're going to like. After that, once the defense makes the adjustments, it's they're not nearly as equipped to handle it. Um. So yeah, if you're state, you, you definitely have to survive that on defense, and again, on offensively, I think. If you can attack their secondary, obviously do. I'm so I am not going to be the one to say don't, don't get a passing game going after a team. I just 
I don't know if State's really equipped to consistently do that. And I think it, your chances is to get this game ugly and make it come down to, you know, a play here or there, I think is your best opportunity. I think you're going to get a good effort from State. Obviously, I think they're going to come out fired up. I think you could get something very similar to how the 2021 game played out where State makes some plays early. You kind of get some blows back and forth, and neither team is really uh, cashing in. And then State just misses out on a couple opportunities there that could have put them in a place to where they could have won the game, and eventually Ole Miss's talent won out. I think we're looking at the same thing here. Um, if I were to put a score on it, I think 30 to 17 is probably about where I'm at. I think it's close for a half and then the Rebels pull away in the second half. Um, I'll defer I, I just, to you on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't – I think it's going to be hard for State to, to – State can win this game, but I do think it's going to be hard for them to pull off. So hopefully I'm wrong. You know, we'll, we'll see on that. Time for the rest of our picks for the week. Probably, I'm only take, we're only doing three SEC games because a lot of the conference games, just there's not a lot of intrigue there. Uh, Texas A&M at number 14, LSU. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to have Missouri and Arkansas on here. Sure. I mean, I mean that's 11 games, but. Oh, do we only do 10? Yeah. Are you referencing not, something oh, that I'm just not remembering? No, I just – no, I just uh, – Missouri-Arkansas is usually crazy because usually Arkansas is favorite and Missouri wins, and now Missouri's favorite. So maybe Arkansas will win. Perhaps. Perhaps. I, I think if Missouri handles business, they're just going to kind of – I guess the, the right, other side one. there is – I guess the other side there would be if Pittman being announced back, it's the team, you know, they rally around him and give a good effort, but – I don't, I don't trust logs. Texas A&M goes to 14 LSU. Last year, the Tigers, after having won the SEC West, go down to College Station and kind of got embarrassed. Blew it. Different, different situation this time with A&M, quarterback injuries that they've had. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher out. But LSU's defense is terrible. Is there any chance the Aggies can pull this one off? Games at 11, and they are pissed. Which is hilarious to me. You think that you get you get to have every single game at night because you're because you wear purple and gold. It's annoying. Uh, I think LSU wins. Yeah, I think LSU pull. I think it's an ugly game, close. Well, but I I say ugly game. There's going to be points. Like let's be fair. It's going to be an points. ugly game. It's going to be an ugly game because it's going to be like 48-39. and that's that to me is ugly. It's pretty to all of you people, but. These purists like me over here, ugh, future. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll take the Tigers. Number five, Florida State without Jordan Travis goes to Florida. The Gators need a win to make a bowl. Um, Florida's offense has been good this year, and FSU. You don't know what they're gonna look like without you know Travis out there. Um, but Graham Mertz this was a might crazy not play. game last season. Dude. Graham Mertz might not play either, right? I don't remember. He might. You're right. He might be out. Uh, I don't feel like looking it up. I mean, we we both have the same pick here, though. We're we're both taking Florida State. I do think FSU is still all around the better team. Well, we need we need Florida to lose. Oh, the APR thing. Well, just the fewer SEC bowl teams there are, the better. Fair, fair. Uh, 
Uh, we'll both take the Knowles. Palmetto Bowl, number 24, Clemson goes to South Carolina. Carolina also needs this win for bowl eligibility. Clemson, I think, is like 7-4. and four. Uh, I got the Tigers. Clemson for the same reason above. The Heroes game, which is such an obscure name for this pseudo-rivalry. Number 17, Iowa goes to Nebraska. The Hawkeyes have already locked up Big Ten West in the final edition of the mm-hmm. West. This season where they have fired Brian Ferentz. They never came anywhere close to touching 325 points of the season. Nebraska, again, needs a win for bowl eligibility here. They have not been bowl eligible since 2016. Nasty mm. weather, potentially. It's going to be cold. Could be rainy. Could be snowy. I don't think the oh. snow is coming until later in the day. It's probably just going to be cold. But uh, if it's nasty, I was about to change my pick, but if it's nasty, you got to go with Iowa. Well, Nebraska, I know you haven't watched them. They are also nasty. They, 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 it's, it's defense and just running. They well, have finally this, embraced being a Big Ten West again, team. They have once again set the record Iowa has for the lowest the lowest to over-under ever. And in the previous five games when they've set the record of the last two years, the under is hit every time. <laughs> they continue to underperform. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, this game's going to be gross. Iowa. I'm going Nebraska in an upset. I think they, I think Matt Rule gets them bowl eligible. UTSA at 23 Tulane. Uh, this game, winner goes to the conference championship to face SMU. Both are undefeated in conference play. Um, since Frank Harris has been back healthy, UTSA has looked like a completely different team. You know what? I'm going to play the whole Willie Fritz may be a little distracted here, but also Tulane just – Tulane has handled business, but Tulane has also kind of messed around in some games this year. I think UTSA gets them. I'm uh, I'm pulling for our candidates on principle here. Oh, Willie. yeah, no, because Mississippi State fans, they lose this game. It's immediately going to be, well, Willie Fritz is a terrible coach. shouldn't hire him. The yeah. Civil War, which is the name for the rivalry, Number 16, Oregon State, takes on number six, Oregon. Uh, not going to be the final installment of this game. They are going to continue playing. But obviously, you know, bigger stakes than being the last time as Pac-12 rivals. Can the Beavs stun the Ducks for another year? Um, I have a lot of friends. I haven't, I'm not keeping up super heavy with uh, my West Coast football. I had a lot of friends that think that Oregon is actually better than Washington and that they got unlucky in that game. A lot of people think that, yes. So, and this is at Oregon, and Oregon State couldn't be Washington at home. So, I'm just using my roundabout logic there to pick Oregon. Oregon is a wagon. They are a machine. They just kind of kill everything that moves. Um, Oregon State is good, but – I don't think they're stopping the Ducks here. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Ducks. Air Force, Air Force at Boise. Huge Mountain West title implications. The Mountain West has a crazy scenario here. Okay, I need to – I know we want to wrap this up. I need to start. The Mountain West has four teams that are still alive for conference championship. They they did away with divisions. There's a chance they have, like, a four-way tie in this thing. And – or I think there's there's only chances for three-way ties. But when they have three-way ties between teams that did not all play each other, they go to a computer ranking model system to determine which two teams will get in. So no, they have their own BCS. 
Yes, they do. So <laughs> both of these teams are still alive. I think Air Force is winning in, basically. UNLV is the only one who is winning in. But they if and UNLV, even if they lose, is probably gonna get in because apparently the Mountain West model, because they, they use their own model, likes UNLV significantly better than every other team. So like they're gonna they're almost certainly in this thing, whether they win or lose. But it, it's kind of crazy. Uh Boise recently fired its coach. Boise's also been playing a little bit better. Air Force has looked weird lately. I'm taking the Broncos. Hmm. Just to be different, I'll take Air Force. Because it's boring if we're not if we're all the same. Kind of crazy that we waited this long to get to this game. The game, number two, Ohio State goes to number three, Michigan, both undefeated, will determine but essentially the Big Ten champion and a playoff berth. Michigan without Jim Harbaugh. Tons of storylines, craziness. I I just have a vibe on Ohio State right now that things have gotten too quiet with them. I think Michigan is the better team, but for some reason I do th- I, I kind of think the Buckeyes might pull this one out. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes. I'm going to go with the Michigan. I think that they are going to be very indignant about the whole thing. And the last thing they needed for their opponents needed was like a rallying point, which is what they've got now. I I, I think – see, I'm going to regret this because it's going to be like, yeah, Michigan just runs them over again. But I don't know. I think this right. game is going to be very ugly. Two good defenses, two not great offenses. Georgia Southern at App State. Another game big in the Sun Belt Championship race. Uh, Georgia Southern has kind of faded recently. App has gotten better as the year has gone along. Huge rivalry. These teams hate each other. Um, I think they, like, agree that they're each other's biggest rivals. I got App at, at home. I can't be that different from you. i got to change my pick to App. Okay. Uh, and l- the last pick we'll make. Uh, UNC at number 22, NC State. Um, I guess we talked a lot about Dave Dorn today. We'll see if he can deliver on another 9-3 and three season. Tar Heels this just is the one where, uh, This is the one where the distraction, I think, is going to be a little bit more real if it's a, if he's really interviewing for the thing. But I'll, I'll say this. Uh, NC State takes this game more seriously, seriously than UNC. UNC – kind of cares more about Duke and NC State gets fired up about it. So that's why I'm going to give them the edge. Well, okay. UNC fans in football, I think, care more about this game, actually. They they do, but, like, it's a blunted – so they care a lot about this game, but not – to NC State, this is the game. This is like – Pretend Texas A&M doesn't exist. It's like Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, it's like Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. Oklahoma State is the game for Oklahoma, but for Oklahoma, one of that is one of the games. Also Texas. It. I, I, I would like agree. It's State probably State. bigger for NC State. But the point I'm making is that specifically in football, UNC doesn't really view Duke as the main rival. Like they view NC yeah, State okay. as the bigger I mean, rival I'll, in football. I'll give you that. So it was kind. It's, it's kind a of, weird scenario. Like the sport makes a difference. Like. They hate Duke more than anyone else, 
But in terms of a football game that is the bit, and I, a lot of it's because Duke was so terrible in football for so long. The football game on their schedule that's the biggest every year tends to be NC State. But I, I could, you know, see maybe, especially in recent years with Duke being the program that they've become in football, that could change that a bit. I'm also going to take NC State, though. I just, UNC, I don't really trust them a lot right now. All right. I said this would not be as long as the last episode, but it's, I had to give it a run for its money. Um, so, I don't know what our schedule is going to look like for sure. We will obviously be back at some point early next week to recap the Egg Bowl, and then if anything has happened with coaching, we'll talk about it. And basketball. There will be four basketball games to recap. Sure, there will be basketball. I think we need to have – we need to go and say, though, if a coaching hire gets made, we need to be ready to – at the very least, I can jump on and do something for that. Oh, yeah. I will – Yeah, I'll, if, I'll make it work. Yeah, if, even if it's – well, even if it's solo, like I think like emergency pod will be the plan. So, if hire gets made, you will hear from us very shortly after that for our thoughts on whatever takes place. Otherwise, it'll be back probably Tuesday of next week to recap whatever takes place in the Egg Bowl. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. I hope, obviously, we hope Mississippi State performs a little bit better in the game than maybe I'm anticipating. Uh, And hopefully the next time we talk, we know who the next coach of Mississippi State football will be. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Thanks to Colton for hopping on. As always, swing your sword, hail state, and happy Thanksgiving.